Hey, did you know they got a really good actor to be in this movie? Ken John? Well, he is really good, but that's not the one I'm talking about. Who? Do you know Paul Giamatti is in this movie? Oh, yeah. Paul Giamatti's in this movie. I don't know who Paul Giamatti is. Do you remember back when we were children and they put out the movie Big Fat Liar? No. Paul Giamatti's the bad guy in Big Fat Liar. He's the big fat liar? Yeah. Oh. Well, also Frankie Muniz is also the big fat liar, but they're bo- it's same, same, but different. Huh. Yeah. That's Paul Giamatti. Welcome to City Wave Cinema. I'm James. That's America. This is The Hangover Part 2, Part 2. Two. Fuck that movie. Big Fat Man. Liar? Man. No, Big Fat Liar was good. Wonder if it's still good. There's sometimes I'm probably like, not. There's it's probably bad. There's it's some, probably really bad. There's some movies from my childhood where I'm like, oh my gosh, I love that movie. It was so good. And then I go back and rewatch it and I was like, uh, and then it's kind of like seeing where Pixar is now and then going back and watching Toy Story 1 and just going, Ooh. this was, this Ooh. was high tech back in the day. Um, we leave the hospital. We leave the hospital. And we and find out. That we don't know how to write any other plot devices for the Hangover movies, so we're just going to rehash old ones. Alan drugged us. Oops. Again. Oops. Because he mixed up a bag of marshmallows when he tried to poison... He tried to put Teddy to sleep. The 16-year-old. It's funny, too, because it's like... It's it's a less criminal offense to do that than it was to slip everybody ecstasy... Or what he thought. Well, he thought it was ecstasy. True. So in the first movie, he drugs everyone by accidentally roofing them when he means to give everyone ecstasy. In the second movie, he intentionally tries to make someone go to sleep by mixing up. What was it? It was ADHD medication and something else. Some like tranquilizer or something to put Teddy to sleep so that he could hang out with his friends which is, like, really bad. People might have underlying health conditions that you don't know about. Alan certainly has underlying health conditions that no one knows about. Um, I wrote, I just wrote that it's, like I said, it's so dumb that it's Alan's fault. Again, we could have done something else. Literally anything else would have been interesting. We could have done anything else, but instead he poisoned a bag of marshmallows. Um... And with that, Stu is entirely justified in attacking Alan. Yeah, I, have to I would give it have to let him. Stu beat the shit out of him. I might have helped. If like, I'm honest. I don't understand. That guy's not your fucking friend. I don't understand Phil's like whole thing about like stopping Stu from beating the shit out of Alan. I don't know why Phil doesn't want to also beat the shit out of Alan. Like I said, Phil has more patience and care about Alan than anybody else. I think. I think it's actually a more mature decision to, like, stop the fight so that they can focus on the fact that Teddy's missing. But if if it was Doug that was missing and not Teddy and there wasn't, like, a child missing, yeah, fucking kick his ass. And leave him. Because Doug's going to be okay, probably. 
Beat the shit out of Alan in the streets, man. That's so fucked that he did it twice. That's not your fucking friend. There shouldn't be a Hangover 3. That should never happen ever again. It shouldn't have happened either time that it did happen. So... We don't drug friends. In case that wasn't taught to you and... Friends don't drug friends. Any part of your life. It's just not nice. And then, like, Phil's like, no, no, like, leave him. Like, we, we got to stick together. And I, I literally wrote, no, nah, let Stu kill him. Let it fucking happen. Yeah. Over so, it. So as the fight stops, they, uh, Bradley Cooper, Phil sees that a address and a time is written on Alan's belly. Uh, for a hotel and so they go to the hotel and they are escorted upstairs to the restaurant and they are seated at a table with paul giamatti and i wrote two notes for this scene and one note is hey it's paul giamatti and then they do the scene and it turns out that paul giamatti is playing a businessman question mark that's really all that's said it is and that's why i said it like that and he wants Chow so that they can do the money transfer for stuff, right? So he has Teddy, is what he says. And so it's a rehashed hostage negotiation. Bring us Chow, you can have Teddy. And that's that, right? And he. There's a whole very tense, shouty, yelly sequence. And my second note is, oh, fuck, it's Paul Giamatti. Because there's only two roles that Paul Giamatti ever plays. And one is the good guy who is like grizzled old veteran type or the bad guy. And in this movie, it is yes. We have to go get Chow's body out of the freezer where we put it. Oops. Oh, yeah, in the beginning of the movie, Chow did a hit of cocaine and died. We forgot to mention that. But it was I part of the whole... I did forget to mention that. It was that. part of the whole Alan saying that he'd buried a body before it. Yeah. If you know, you know. If you watch the movie, you watch the movie. Um, So we have to go get Chow's body out of the freezer. Back to the hotel. Um, and then... Ken Jong. We rehashed the same fucking bit again. Leaps out of the freezer and, like, attacks them. But it was... He's so funny. Yes. Like, Ken John as an actor is just... He's a, he's a real doctor. He is a real doctor. Which is really funny. And he has a show where he plays a doctor. And he has a show where they just make fun of him for being a real doctor and not a very good judge of singers. <laughs> yes. Mass Singer is a good show. I miss watching it. Um... And Ken tells us that we need to go get the monkey because the monkey that the Russians took has the codes to transfer the money in his vest. His little vest. It's important to note that they almost exclusively say little vest. So we gotta go get the monkey again. Now what we find out about the monkey is that the monkey, it's one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard of in my entire life. The monkey goes to cars that whistle at him and takes a little tiny baggie of cocaine and then takes the money and goes the money to the drug dealer. 
And so the drug dealer never touches the drugs. Just the monkey touches the drugs. And that's the fucking most brilliant thing I've ever heard of as far as drug dealing in my life. And completely unrelated, I want a monkey. Is that unrelated? I really Is want it a unrelated? Is it unrelated? Are you trying to sell drugs with a monkey? For all legal purposes, this is entirely unrelated, and I would like a monkey now. I'm not getting us a capuchin monkey. What are the odds that that monkey is the same monkey from Night at the Museum? Or friends. Or friends. Well, friends, think, maybe not. I don't think That's the one in friends old. was a capuchin anyways. Different face. He had like a furrier. I don't know. I don't know anything about monkeys. Anyways, I want one. Um, Alan tips off the drug monkey. Oops. That this is a like not a real like exchange. And all and I wrote now a car chase begins. And I wrote, "Damn it, Alan!" And then Stu has the monkey, and the monkey's holding on to like the wheel well, and Stu can't pull up the monkey. And I said, "Damn it, Stu!" And they, they make, Stu says this monkey is really strong. And I went, it can't be that strong. It cannot be stronger than a grown man. As a little baby monkey. It, it's not a baby, but it's a little monkey. It cannot be that strong. It, it simply cannot. And then in the car chase, they hit a pig carcass and splatter blood all over Stu's freshly opened wound tattoo. Yes. And I wrote, now that, too is really, now that tattoo is really, really infected. If it wasn't infected before. Now it's got pig blood in it. Not what you want. That's good moisturizer. In hell. Fuck, man. They jump a river. They get away. Like, they make it. It's fine. They get the codes. They go to the, they go to the hotel. And I wish... You oh, know- wait, no. The Russians shot the monkey. The Russians did shoot the monkey. On accident. And so they take the monkey to the vet. And we have a moment where Alan is supposed to have this really sweet farewell scene with the monkey that he really likes. Stop. all I could... Sorry, sorry, I was yelling at my dog. Yell at the dog. All I could think of through this whole scene where Alan is having this emotional goodbye with this monkey is I hate Alan so much, I don't give a fuck. I cared about him so much more in the first one. I I don't give a flying fuck what Alan wants, thinks, says, does, any of it. He's such a fucking piece of shit, this movie, that it's just, I cannot simply sit here and experience that scene and believe any of it for an instant. They really took the best character in the Hangover series and just made him the absolute they worst. They nerfed the fuck out of him by making him just a tremendous asshole. Um, at the hotel, uh, Chow does Chow shit, and I just wish that like I had an ounce of Chow's fucking confidence, man. But did you die? Like he's literally just like he's singing in the elevator. He's, like, going, chow, coming through. Like, he's, like, just, like... I think they just sort of let Ken Jong do, like, crazy shit. I just... I, I wish, wonder if they did. I wish I could just have Chow's confidence. And I'm also sad because Chow gets arrested. 
Well, fucking spoil that plot point, why don't you? I had a joke about the password Tell your ordeal, jokes. which is hilarious. Tell your jokes. I mean, it's just such a funny thing where it, it dates the movie, too. Because they, it's like, he reads out the password and it's baloney one. And he, they go, what? your password is baloney one? And he was like, well, it should just be baloney, but now they require a number. And it's like, if you go to make a password nowadays in the year of our Lord, 2022, you need a special character. You need a number, but you can't have certain special characters. You need specific special characters. It has to have at least one capital, one, one capital, number, one, one special case. character. It, the best possible thing you can do for passwords now is to just mishmash all over your keyboard and make sure you write that down in a little notebook. You know how it used to be where you shouldn't write your passwords down in a little notebook to keep track of them? Now you kind of have to because they're getting so fucking convoluted. You'll never fucking remember LMLMFFF1527 exclamation mark asterisk. You'll never fucking remember that shit. That's not going to register in your brain as something. That's insane. Yes. I don't write down any of my passwords, and I remember them all. That's because you name them after things. I have a system. I mean, if you have a system, great. I don't have a system. I need to write my shit down. You'll never find my password book. It's so anyways. very easy. Um, they make this joke... Do you have any more notes about this? No, it's a sting operation. Chow gets arrested. And they keep making this joke throughout the movie about how Bangkok has Teddy. <laughs> like, just Bangkok has him. That's just the only explanation of, like, if you haven't found him yet, Bangkok has him. It's too late. Bangkok has him now. And I'm just, I just sat, I looked at James in the middle of that and I was like, I'm gonna just start saying that about places. Like, when we can't find someone, I'm going to be like, oh, Austin has them now. <laughs> just real ominous, no explanation, and just let that ride out. Like People are going to be like, what, the hippies, the granola guys, the... The, the cultists? The CrossFit folks? Who's got him? <laughs> the Californians? Who has him? Austin has him now. <laughs> like, I'm just going to... The UT students? Who's got him? We're back home, just the mountains have him now like <laughs> oh, that's way scarier than austin has him now colorado has him now the, like. the range has him now <laughs> jesus christ norad's got him norad's got him do you know where norad is norad's got him <laughs> see the flashing lights on the mountains that's not where it is but it's somewhere over it's in that vicinity um so yeah, I'm just that's that's my new thing is that's, people are gonna be like, where is this person? We haven't seen them for a while. We're like, oh, it's too late. Austin has Austin him. Austin has him now. That's hilarious. Just, that's gonna be a great joke that no one's gonna understand. I'm gonna say it one time though, and you're just, James is just gonna break in the middle of whatever he's. Doing. I will fully collapse. <laughs> so now we've just officially given up. We make the phone call just like in the last movie. Stu has a great mm -hmm. moment of acceptance where he accepts that he might. <laughs> Where he's got a problem. a problem. He likes whores. I said acceptance is the first step, Stu. And you know what? It it's no, it's not redeeming. That's f fucking wild. Uh, and, and just like the last movie, the environment around Stu is perfect for Stu to 
figure out exactly where the missing person is. I was like, without these, without Stu, none of these movies would ever end. Yeah. Never find the people. Doug would be missing forever. He'd die up on the Teddy would die in the elevator. Teddy's in the elevator. Because we never mentioned, but the power's out. Power goes out a thousand times a day in Thailand. Because reasons. And so the power went out while Teddy was in the elevator trying to go get ice to save his finger. And he's been in the elator this whole time. But his finger has also been off ice, so now he can't yeah, have his finger. He for sure can't have the finger back. Um, and Teddy's whole career of being a surgeon and a cello player. Pretty much over. Over. And all that to be said, when Teddy finds all this out, he's he just, is ridiculously fucking calm. He's just cool, man. He's just chilling. His dad sees his finger a little bit later and they go, he goes, we had an oopsie. Also, fuck Alan. Why are we fucking Alan? We're not. No, we're not fucking Alan. No, sir. Why no, are, thank you. Why are we damning Alan? I wrote fuck Alan twice. Once because he is an asshole about the captain thing. And the second time I wrote fuck Alan, I wrote fuck Alan for real though. And then I wrote fuck Alan double for real though, because he drives the boat up onto the fucking beach. And the most unnecessary grandiose show of pay attention to me now. He crashes the boat into the wedding. And then throws the anchor out. The anchor bit's funny. But unnecessary. The anchor bit is like more Alan. Like that's yes. like the original Alan. Like yes. that's something. There's little tiny bits and pieces of old Alan in this movie. And every time you see it, you're like, oh, I remember. And then he does some new Alan shit. And you're like, oh, I want to punch you in the fucking neck. Um, Stu gives this really impassioned speech about how he's a, not a boring person and blah, blah, blah. And all of its lies. And, uh,. This is not convincing anyone of anything that, like, Stu wants it to, but apparently I'm wrong, and it does, because he's like, all we want is your motherfucking blessing to the dad. And the dad's just like, yeah, all right. And the dad gives it to him, and then they get married. They literally just have the wedding, which is insane. Which also, Alan, who wasn't originally invited, if we all recall, is just now in the wedding. And he has, a like, a matching suit and shit. Like, was he originally going to... I mean, not originally, originally, but, like, once he was invited, was he just, like, going to be in the wedding? It feels like that's a moment when they're making the movie, and it's, like, maybe in a different iteration of the script, he was always going to be a groomsman, and so they that would explain the matching outfits. And then the way it turned out in the final version of the script is, like, he wasn't, but they never changed the ending to match that. And so it just got lost in the sauce. And then you watch it on the big screen and you're like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. And you're right. Don't get it twisted. You're right. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. And it's just so fucking dumb. I cannot. I want to get through the, the end of the movie so I can just fucking bitch about it for a minute. Because it's so goddamn irritating. I do have a really nice note. And that's, I love how Phil's wife is literally so, like, accepting of who he is. And it's just like, yeah, 
That's Phil. This happens sometimes. Like, she's never, like, upset with him. She, Which like, she should be. She just comes over every time and is like, hey, you're good. You're good. You got all your body parts this time. Okay, cool. We're good. Like, <laughs> she just sits there and hugs him. And I was like, man, that's that's a good marriage right there. Uh, un- unbelievable. Like, she's just like, all right, cool. You I, didn't die. Man. But did you die? No? Cool. But did you die? Um, so I, I just thought that was like really good note. And then, um, I wrote the first movie was better. And then I wrote, oh my God, shut the fuck up, Alan. Because he got up on stage to give the speech in the middle of the fucking reception and like literally interrupts in the middle of a song. Doesn't even wait till like an intermission or change or transition or anything. Just gets up, interrupts the song. And then... His gift to Stu and Lauren for their wedding is Mike, Mike Tyson. Tyson singing. And I wrote, Mike Tyson still can't sing. I just wrote that Mike Tyson is in the movie. And then we watch the, we get the picture sequence where we watch all the pictures over the And credits. once again, it seems, there's way more gratuitous nudity in this one, but it once again seems like that the pictures tell a story. That's way more interesting than the movie. I'd much rather watch that Where'd they get the elephant? Why don't we talk about the elephant? There's things that are in both picture sequences in both movies that we never get to. And I want to know the whole story. Like, honestly, those are the movies I want to watch. I want to watch the fucking batshit crazy night that we had in Vegas and the even batshit crazier night that we had in Bangkok. Like, I want to. Watch them. You know what would have been a better sequel than this movie? Getting the Night in Vegas. Is Getting the Night in Vegas. If The Hangover Part 2 was just the sequence of events of the first movie as it happened, that would have been a better sequel to The Hangover than this. Because this is a straight mockery of the formula that they used in the first movie. And in the first movie, it's original and it's interesting and fun. And in the second movie, it's the same thing as the first movie. And so if you know that in advance and you go in going, well, it's going to be the same deal. That's fine. Sure. Okay. Whatever. But if you go in expecting the same level of fascinating viewing experience, you straight don't get it. It's simply worse in every way. The jokes are worse. They're not as clever. They're not as funny. Even the highlight heartwarming portions of the movie simply aren't as good because it's all formulaic. It's all the same thing. And you know what media does that, but it's good? Television shows. I.E. sitcoms. Or like the one that pops to my head is Phineas and Ferb. Every episode of Phineas and Ferb is formulaic with some exceptions. The episode starts, the boys do a thing. Hey, Ferb, what are we going to do today? Exactly. The sister finds out, tries to tell tattletale to her parents. Uh, miraculous happenstance makes the chicanery go away and no one can prove that they did anything crazy. And it's all good fun, right? That's fun. It's a simple formula. You do a bunch of new weird shit every time. And it works. The show was great. It ran for a lot of seasons. It didn't jump the shark. And it ended on a poignant high note. 
This is a movie where the first movie should either have been the only one of its kind or the sequel should have been done differently. And God damn it, it simply isn't. It's a worse version of the first movie. Or if you even want to do like a more relatable example, um, South Park has been on for fucking... A thousand years? 26, 27 seasons now. And it's the same show. It's the same formula. Cartman's been the same. Cartman's always been. I mean, like later on in the seasons, like we get like season long problems versus like episodic problems, like where they solve an episode in one day. They make a joke about that in like one of the seasons where they're like, remember when we just had a problem and, and we, we solved, solved it, it that day and it was over? I want to go back to that. And like it was, it's funny um, because it's true. But it's also like Matt and Trey have been running the same fucking formula. For years. Years. And it's not stale and it's not old because they do, they use the same formula, but they do different shit with that formula. Like it's, it's, it's funny and it's new and it's refreshing and they keep making it better. It's like making a grilled cheese. There's a formula to the way you make a grilled cheese. Butter, bread. Mayo, if you feel like it, cheese, bada bing, bada boom, right? That's the formula. Grill it, it's done. But if you only do that, then it's the same every time. If you don't change up your ingredients, you don't add stuff, you don't like do bacon. weird shit with it. Dip it in tomato, uh, in tomato soup. Then it's always only ever going to be the same thing, and people will tire of that. If you only eat grilled cheeses every day of your life for the rest of time and it's just the one fucking way to do it, you'll go insane. You have to change shit. You can't get away with a really good funny movie and then just going, I'm going to do it twice. And you just repeat everything you did before. Like to a science. It's the same fucking movie, but worse. You know what genre does that all the time and gets a really bad rep for it? And Soap operas. No. Oh. Um, I mean, yes, but no. Um, <laughs> I was thinking more movie scape. Like, oh. Is horror movies. Yeah. Like, and they get trashed for it, but then we're sitting here doing the same thing with, like, comedies and comedy movies. Where it's just the same fucking movie over and over and over again. And Ro so all romantic comedies are the same. Yeah, but also not. That's a, that's an example. There's a formula to a romantic comedy movie, but How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days and Fifty First Dates are two vastly different movies. Two vastly different movies. However, one could predict how those movies go front to back. But that doesn't change the fact that they're both good movies. Yeah. And they're both funny and they both stand on their own. Yeah. Um. But God damn it, this one sucked. It wasn't good. It's just bad. What's the time to be ready? Let's find out. 6.4 out of 10. What was the first one? First one is a 7.7. .7. See? 
The mass is agreed. It's just not as good. The third one is 5.8. Um, so that doesn't look good. I don't really have anything else to say. I know this was a short episode. But... It, but what else is there to say? It's not a good movie. It's a rehash of the first movie that was a good movie, but it's done in poor taste with worse dialogue, with worse characters, uh, no interesting backline stories to any of it. The only like major variation is that Doug's there and providing contact back and forth. It's not this they're cut off from the world in Vegas story. They can talk to the people that they're supposed to be talking to. And that's like really the biggest variation that I saw. And if that's your only big like variation, dude, you wrote a shitty movie. And yeah, it made you a billion dollars or whatever. And if that's the goal, then congratulations, you did it. But don't I I don't know. I take I I like to think that writers and directors would take a lot of pride in their work. And some do. But at what point do you write your movie and you make it and it sells for a bunch of money and you sit there and go, man, that fucking sucks. Do you think Todd Phillips sits up at night and goes, man, that movie sucks? Snyder did. Well, yeah, Zack Snyder did because he put his whole heart and soul into the fucking uh, movie. And then the CEOs were like, hey, how about fuck you instead? And so then he made his movie later and made a bunch more money. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Art's subjective. If you like it, you like it. Fuck off. Our live studio audience has voted that we watch the third Hangover movie next time. I just read you its IMDb rating. It's worse. Part three? Yes. 5.8. Mm. So. I'm going to get I'm going to get heated about it. Oh, God. You know what, man? It just looked so good, too. The fucking cinematography in it was so good. And the shots were good. The audio was good. Technically, it's a delightful movie. But it doesn't have a soul. And it just fucking rips the happiness out of you to watch it. Right out of your chest cavity. Like, I thought there was a close-up on Bradley Cooper, part of, like, when he first wakes up, and he's got that, like, that light on him, and it's color-corrected, it's all really golden and shit, and it's like he's waking up a new person or whatever, whatever you want to say about it, and his eyes are color-corrected, and they just look so bright and dazzling green, and it's so good. Like, that's just a cinema, it's just so good to look at. And then they open their fucking mouths and you're like, God, I wish it was a silent movie. God damn it. I just It's a waste of my fucking time. I feel like this one really let you down after the first one. I, I am. I'm so let... Th- it's not like in the Harry Potter movies where I didn't like any of them. Except the fourth one. Except the fourth one. Like, I... But even in that series, I started disappointed and frustrated with how it was written and executed. You gained more respect for it as we went along, actually. Yeah. But, like, you can't make seven or eight movies in a row and not, like, get to a level of perfection (laughs) at some point. Like, the character acting 
got exceptionally better after the fourth movie. And it just, man. But it's a different thing when you start disappointed, have a high point, and end in, like, a dumpster fire. We started the Hangover series awesome. It was a fun, interesting movie. And then we tried to do another fun, interesting movie. And only we didn't do that in any way. And we just wasted an hour 45 of our time. And they wasted six and a half months making it. Like, uh, it's just, uh, I, I, I don't even have words to describe how frustrating it is to have watched that movie. Really? Because you just spent like 90 minutes talking about how frustrating it is to watch that well, movie. Well, really fucking frustrated because we had to watch that movie. And it's Chat's fault. And now it's their fault that we have to watch the third one. If we, you would like this to not be this is my suffering. out of your control, this if you is would my like suffering. some say in the movies we watch, you're welcome to tune in to us live on alternating Saturdays so that you, too, can be part of the decision in what movies we watch. You get to make me suffer. That's always fun, in my opinion. Hey. Rude. We are always live at twitch.tv slash citywavesgaming. And otherwise, you can listen to us where you're wherever listening, podcasts are found. Where you're listening to us currently, and we will see you for the next episode, which will be the Hangover Part, part three. three. Bye, motherfuckers. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me rehash the line. Toodaloo, motherfucker.